Welcome to Healthy Outcomes, a Baker Tilly podcast, where we'll informally discuss topics such as financial sustainability, value-based care, cybersecurity, and more. Baker Tilly is a leading advisory tax and assurance firm dedicated to helping healthcare organizations be financially sustainable. Each episode will bring you a topic or guest that will help you win now and anticipate tomorrow. Let's get started. Hi, my name is Mark Ross, and I'm the leader of Baker Tilly's healthcare provider practice. Joining me today is Jeff Kroll. Jeff is a partner in Baker Tilly's risk advisory practice and leads our firm's cybersecurity services. Today, Jeff and I will be discussing cybersecurity as it relates to the healthcare sector broadly, but really focusing in on healthcare provider organizations. Where are providers struggling in their effort to mitigate cyber risk? You know, what is ransomware and why is it so pervasive in the healthcare sector? HIPAA, how does HIPAA connect to or interplay with, with cybersecurity? We'll also discuss a few other items and conclude today's podcast with a summary of what organizations can do to mitigate their cyber risks. You know, put simply, the goals of cybersecurity are to protect the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of information. Although these goals appear to be somewhat simple, achieving these goals takes significant investment of both dollars and resources for any organization, specifically healthcare provider organizations. On an ongoing basis, you know, these investments that I mentioned, again, of dollars and resources are not one-time investments. You know, as you scan the internet, you listen to the news, you consistently hear things relative to cyber attacks in healthcare. The healthcare sector, and maybe more specifically healthcare provider organizations, are viewed, generally viewed as target-rich environments due to the large amount of sensitive confidential data that healthcare providers maintain. Fitch Ratings published a piece in July 2021 titled Relentless Cyber Attacks to Pressure Not-for-Profit Hospitals Operations. In this piece, Fitch states that the healthcare sector has seen a historic increase in the number and severity of cyber assaults over the past 18 months. That would be calendar 2020 through the first six months of calendar 21. The Fitch article went on to state that HHS, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, estimates that sizable cyber breaches in 2020 exposed patient data of more than 22 million Americans. That's more than 5% of the population in this country. Remote work during the COVID-19 pandemic you know, opened up more opportunities for infiltration, as did the ever-increasing use of technology in the healthcare sector. Smart medical monitoring devices, telehealth, et cetera, you know, as well as the software used to operate heavy, complex medical equipment, such as CT scanners, MRI machines, and the like. You know, those are just a couple of the things that Fitch addressed in, in their article. And then at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting on cybersecurity in November 2021, one of the presentations, and this is just to give you a flavor of how cyber risk, cybersecurity, and healthcare is being talked about. But one of the presentations, at, again, at the annual meeting on cybersecurity in November 2021 was titled, If Healthcare Doesn't Strengthen Its Cybersecurity, It Could Soon Be in Critical Condition. And finally, just as part of my opening commentary here before I start quizzing Jeff on some cybersecurity matters. You know, just today, just today, there was a blog post from the director of HHS's Office of Civil Rights that I saw in the HIPAA journal. The title in the journal for the blog post was OCR Director Encourages HIPAA Regulated Entities to Strengthen Their Cybersecurity Posture. 
Obviously, that goes without saying. I'm sure they've been encouraging HIPAA-regulated entities to do that for decades. You know, this isn't a new concept. So again, cybersecurity as it relates to the healthcare sector is constantly, consistently being talked about in the news, and quite frankly, um, the not so good news, right? A lot of times when we hear about it, it's not good news. So with that backdrop, Jeff, you know, what areas do you see as we talk about the struggles, challenges? I mean, as I mentioned, accomplishing those goals relative to cybersecurity would appear to be easy, right? But there's a lot there. So where are healthcare organizations struggling with cybersecurity from your perspective? Thanks, Mark. Yeah, that, that's really, it's a great question. And there, there's a lot of factors at play when you think about cybersecurity and healthcare. Like you mentioned, you know, at its highest level, most healthcare organizations have very complex systems and you have systems that range, you know, it's not just patient care, right? You have patient care systems, you have financial systems, you have biomedical devices, you have, you have sort of this whole gambit of very complex systems in your typical healthcare organization. Um, and, and so fundamentally, that's always gonna make it hard, right, to manage that IT environment. You start layering in that in a lot of cases, especially on the patient side, you know, a lot of these systems need to be up and running 24 seven. It's not like if you're in the hospital, you'd say, that's okay, shut off all the monitoring devices overnight, I'm just gonna take a nap. So the reality is there's a lot of pressure around the operational side of the healthcare systems. That operational pressure sometimes runs counter, right, to good security practices. So it makes it difficult to find ways to adopt the right security practices into those environments. Typically also, you know, if, if you're in an ER, um, you probably don't want to be slowed up with authenticating, with putting in an extra password, with double checking who you are, because that could legitimately impact patient care in a lot of cases. So fundamentally in healthcare, that, that challenge is always there versus maybe some other industries where the 24 by seven, a lot of systems that need to be up, a lot of systems that are really complex, just out of the box create a big challenge for most or healthcare organizations. Then you start layering on some, some of the environmental issues, right? You have a lot of older systems in many healthcare organizations that maybe weren't set up to be well tied into everything else, weren't set up with good security from the get-go. So there's a lot of, I'll call it patchwork that needs to happen to those things to keep them up to snuff or sort of keep them as secured as you can, which can be a daunting task unto itself. As you know, you know, financially, many of these health systems struggled a bit at the beginning of COVID, right, and, and with resources. If you take an organization that was already running a little lean on security and all of a sudden say, well, we're not going to be able to add a resource there or add a resource there or we need to cut something, you really set yourself up for potential failure. In that labor market, too, what we're seeing is cybersecurity resources are in very, very high demand. And in many cases, many of those cybersecurity resources especially with the pandemic, found they could work remotely. So it opened up labor markets to them where if they're making a choice between, do I want to physically go sit in a hospital every day in, a, in my office and worry about cybersecurity and work on it? Or do I want to take maybe more of a nine to five job somewhere where I'm not going to have that pressure and I can work from anywhere and live anywhere? It, it's a challenge in the labor market. You know, it, it's a trend that obviously we're seeing across many industries with, with workforce becoming more remote. But I think it's really been a pointed issue within a lot of healthcare organizations that traditionally are very premise-based, right? They're traditionally many healthcare organizations because the doctors, the nurses, the clinicians all need to physically be there by and large, uh, absent some of the 
telehealth that's gone on, that's made it a challenge to retain and attract workforce that has the right cybersecurity skills. So, so really you start putting all that together and the fact that healthcare, and we'll talk a little later maybe about the targets in healthcare, and it really creates a really difficult environment for many healthcare organizations in managing the, those cybersecurity risks. Yeah, well, well said, Jeff. I there, there was a lot there <laughs> that, you, that you that you just said, and and what I what I gleaned from that again the significant reliance on technology, and really balancing the security measure relative to utilizing that technology with patient care. I mean, that's a I'm sure that balance is something that healthcare provider organizations are struggling to achieve every day, and that's compounded by the fact that you know these healthcare providers have access. I mean, they're managing and protecting. They're being charged to protect a tremendous amount of confidential data. So, so again, th those challenges and, and, and those struggles are certainly real, very real for for healthcare provider organizations. And just just pivoting a bit from from there, Jeff, we we hear a lot about the concept of of ransomware. Although it's really not a concept, it is again another real thing that's happening to healthcare provider organizations and, and certainly companies in other non-healthcare sector. So, in layman's terms, you know, can you explain what ransomware is to me? Sure. So, ransomware is when somebody gets into your environment and basically encrypts the environment or steals your data. They might take it out of your environment. They might take it out and encrypt it in your environment. They might just destroy it, but typically, if they're looking for financial gain, you know, ransomware at its simplest level is is malicious software that a, a hacker or bad actor gets into your environment, where they try to lock things up and encrypt it so you can't access it or or you can't run something, and then basically they say, unless you pay us the ransom, we're not going to give you the keys to unlock it. And so that, in simplest term, is all ransomware is. It's somebody coming in and encrypting your systems and then asking to be paid. The key step in that is they have to get in first, right? So typically they have to get in to actually run those software. And and but really at its highest level, that's that's what ransomware is. It's it's criminals coming in, locking up your data in a way you can't access it, and then asking to get paid, typically in Bitcoin um, or, or cryptocurrency, um, before they'll give you those keys to then unlock and have access to your data again. Yeah. And so and so Jeff, why do we see so much ransomware again. You you hear about read about all the you know these ransomware attacks in the in the healthcare sector. Why 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 is healthcare such a target? Maybe it's for some of the things we've already discussed. It is for a number of the things we've discussed. And it's also, it, you know, when you think about urgency, right? If your systems are locked up with ransomware, and you therefore can't deliver patient care to the 500 patients in your building, that's a real problem, right? So so fundamentally, healthcare in a lot of cases has almost been forced if they didn't have the right, you know, controls to back up and, and prevent and detect and respond to a ransomware attack. They were almost forced in some cases to pay the ransom because there were literally lives at stake if they didn't pay those ransoms. So because of that, also what we've seen is healthcare started becoming more of a target because once it gets out amongst the criminal organizations that healthcare is a space where if you successfully get ransomware in the environment, you're probably gonna get paid. Those same bad actors turn around and say, hey, let's go target more healthcare in a lot of cases. You have the complexity issue we talked about, which probably makes it a little easier in some cases for ransomware to be successful once it gets into the environment. Um, you also, in a typical healthcare environment, have a lot of 
it, you know, you have a lot of workforce that maybe isn't that 100% on site all the time workforce, meaning, you know, agency nurses, you know, th things like that, where maybe just the churn of workforce can make it difficult to make sure only the right people have access into your environment. And then you also typically have a lot of vendors. So a lot of vendor access into those complex systems, all of which starts opening up a lot of different vectors for a bad person to try and get in. You layer on top of that, remember how I said in ransomware, a lot of times they'll actually take your data and encrypt your data. Well, the data they take has value. Health data is one of the more valuable uh, pieces of data out there for criminals to sell and resell and run fraud scams around and all that. So knowing you know, protected health information has value also makes it attractive to go try and get into healthcare systems. So you put all that together and it really puts a, a bullseye on, on the healthcare industry. Sure. Yeah, big time, certainly big time bullseye there, Jeff. So so when we think about, or I, you know, when I interact with with clients on on cyber issues and just talk generally with, you know, with CFOs that I may be interacting with, CEOs even, you know, we we sometimes talk about the concept of cyber insurance. And I'm not an insurance or specifically a cyber insurance expert, Jeff. But but when you think about cyber insurance, what role does does that sort of insurance play in an overall, you know, risk mitigation program relative to cybersecurity? Well, it's a really interesting question because I, I, as much as many organizations would have said, you know, cyber insurance wasn't their primary mitigator for if something bad happened, I suspect in practice behind the curtain, you did have some level of thinking that was, well, if something goes wrong, we have cyber insurance, right? So maybe some of those upfront investments and in how to avoid cyber incidents weren't quite what they would have otherwise been given organizations had cyber insurance to sort of backstop. Right. Yeah. Um, what we're seeing, though, is there's been a tremendous amount of cyber claims paid out over the past two years. With all the successful ransomware, the, the insurance carriers have paid out tons and tons of money to deal with these ransomware and incidents that have occurred. So we're seeing a bit of an inflection in the insurance markets now where the cost is going up dramatically in a lot of cases if organizations can even get cyber insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, and so and the insurers are now starting to really start to starting to ask a lot more questions of the organizations they're insuring to understand, do they have good cyber controls, right? Because they, they don't want to be paying these claims. So I think what we're starting to see is probably an inflection point where the whole idea that maybe you could successfully transfer cyber risk to an insurance carrier is to a certain extent going away or at least being greatly diminished. And I think what that's going to start doing is forcing many organizations to say, you know, we, we really have to play harder and faster on the avoid side of that risk management equation um, and manage it by actually putting in better upfront cyber controls because they they may not have a choice. They may not have that insurance as a backstop anymore um, at some point in the future, or it may be so costly, it actually is cheaper to do all the upfront things because your insurance costs so much. Got it. And actually, and you you answered one of my one of my follow-up questions I was gonna ask as you were you were talking Jeff, and that was, you know, what are the insurers doing, right, to, to ensure that, you know, the, the provider organization is doing what they need to be doing? What, what due diligence are they doing? And I, I think you said they are doing due diligence. They're more due diligence today than they ever have been before they will insure, quite frankly, not just healthcare, but any organization, I would imagine. Yes. And, and it's interesting because as of yet, there doesn't appear to be a real, I'll call it consistent playbook from the insurers, right? So they're still sort of I think a lot of them are still sort of doing their own thing on where they see the risks, 
which is probably largely based out on what they think is the root cause of claims they've paid, but it isn't necessarily a holistic view yet. So I know I, I've had a number of uh, you know clients who've, who've been somewhat surprised by some of the things they've been asked for by their insurance carriers that they'd never you know never been asked before um, and never even in some cases thought about that now is on their radar because the insurance carriers are asking and you know one of their challenges is is that's what they asked this year they don't know what they're going to ask next year right, right. Yeah. as they keep paying claims yeah it's an ever it's just an ever changing issue ever evolving. So Jeff, just pivoting to HIPAA for for a, a couple minutes here. So how does HIPAA, you know, HIPAA's been in play, my goodness, for for a number of years. But how does that interplay in today's environment with cybersecurity? So HIPAA, you know, my personal opinion is HIPAA really embodies a lot of the good controls a good cybersecurity program should have. And and I would actually even say, for the vast majority of healthcare providers, if you're doing everything. HIPAA obliges you to do, you're probably going to have really good cybersecurity. The reality is, much like everyone, right, it's hard to work down that list and apply all those good controls against all of your IT assets and all the different systems. So the reality is many organizations struggle to get to that level. But, you know, ultimately, HIPAA as a framework, and then ultimately within HIPAA, there's a requirement to do a risk assessment against the confidentiality, availability, and integrity of PHI you know, and, and thoughtfully consider risks and threats and how you mitigate those in addition to what HIPAA requires um, as some of its controls, you're going to have a really good cybersecurity program. If you really if you really embrace HIPAA and attack it, um, and, and most healthcare organizations, we actually find there's not a whole lot of cyber risk that actually falls outside of what you wind up covering if you're doing a really good job with HIPAA, because PHI tends to touch the vast majority of a healthcare organization in one form or another uh, or in some way. So I think the interesting thing about HIPAA that we don't see in a lot of other industries is HIPAA does have the breach disclosure requirements. So if you're breached, you have obligations to report that to the Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights. Um, and those breaches then get publicly disclosed depending on the size and scope and all that. So I think in a strange way, I actually think that's been beneficial to the industry because it has helped to shed light on how pervasive or not are some of the breaches and issues we're seeing. And, and unlike other in industries where you really can't track that, you really can't, you know, you don't have somebody going in from a regulatory standpoint really always asking those questions of like, well, were you following this rule the right way? And, and that can be difficult, right, and challenging. And, um, you know, I know we work with a number of organizations as they go through OCR investigations, and, and they are certainly not something you want to have to go through, right, because usually that's because something's gone wrong. But I do think it adds a level of scrutiny within healthcare that maybe some other industries don't have that that sort of forces people to really be thinking about their controls. Sure, Jeff, you and, and you don't want to be, you know, that healthcare provider that that that's disclosing a breach, right? I mean, you want to do everything you possibly can to to prevent those breaches. So to a certain extent, those breach disclosure requirements, I I, I guess create some some sort of incentive. Uh, for healthcare providers to make sure they're doing everything they can to protect the PHI that's in their care. So, Jeff, again, pivoting again here to a, a, another topic. When we think about, you know, executives, you know, the C-suite of healthcare provider organizations, even those charged with governance, boards, audit committees, et cetera, you know, based on your experience interacting with our clients and in talking with a number of people in the sector, how well do you think generally, again, boards, C-suites understand, truly understand their cyber risks? 
you know, it's a great question. And and obviously you see organizations from the best in breed down down to the worst in breed, right? As with any industry. I would say the vast majority of healthcare executives and boards I interact with are very, very concerned about cyber risks. So so I, I almost don't know one where it's not high on their radar of we should be worried about cyber risks. Where I think the understanding piece may not always be there is not all boards have a cybersecurity expert on the board. The boards don't all have that requisite knowledge in some cases, and even executives, to ask sort of the challenging questions in some cases. And I, and I always say, you know, there's a difference between having a risk that you have a plan to address and having actually addressed that risk. And I think many boards and executives sometimes stop at when they hear there's a risk, but there's a plan to address the risk, and maybe don't think about have we actually addressed the risk already yet? You know, how big is that list of open items? And so that's somewhere where I think there's probably an opportunity for many organizations, not just healthcare, candidly, to bolster their cyber understanding at the board level. And, and that could be through board level trainings, that could be adding members to the board that have cybersecurity expertise, especially in healthcare. I think that would be helpful for many boards so that they do have executives and board members who aren't necessarily responsible for the day-to-day, -day, but can really dig in and understand what an organization's doing. And, and in some cases, maybe, you know, call out where more needs to be done. Yeah, no, that's, that, that is interesting, Jeff. And I, 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 would, I would echo, you know, your, your initial thoughts there when I asked the question that I would say the vast majority, if not all of our healthcare provider clients, you know, they are truly concerned about cyber risks. And I think they are all taking appropriate steps to to mitigate those risks, but are you? I don't know if you're ever doing enough, Jeff. Right? <laughs> I mean, you can never take your eye off the ball, right? Yeah. The 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 bad guy, Mark. To your point, the bad guys have made money, right? And they are reinvesting that money and trying to find new and innovative ways to hack and get into an organization and get payments out or get data that's worth something, right? So so the reality is these are effectively criminal businesses in a lot of cases at this point. They're not just going to close up shop, you know, if it, if it gets too hard to get into organizations. They're going to keep trying. I, I always like to use the example of sometimes I get asked, you know, how do we compare to our peers, right? And, and I always tell people that's a very loaded question because if your peers, by and large, are getting breached, are they who you want to be compared to? Or do you feel you need to be at a higher bar? Great point, Jeff. So, Jeff, we're, to, we're at the end here. The last question. What steps, Jeff, could organizations take? And I'm sure there's a lot of different steps, but I guess if you just focused on the top steps that an organization could take to mitigate their cyber risks, what, what would those steps be? So so I think, you know, I'll, I'll go with the usual suspects, right? Multi-factor authentication, which makes it hard for somebody from the outside to break in. You want to have a good um, patch management process for, you know, keeping systems up to date with patches. You want to have a good incident response process so when something goes wrong, you can respond to it. You want to train your employees so, so they sort of know not, you know, where not to step uh, and where not to click. But but then I think one of the pieces that that a lot of times, I, I won't say it gets overlooked, but is really difficult. So it isn't always executed on, and it can be costly. Um, is disaster recovery planning. So almost like knowing that ransomware in particular is going to be a big threat for for healthcare organizations. Have you gone? put your backups in a place that nobody else can touch them and done a complete recovery of all your systems in a separate environment in a timely enough fashion that you wouldn't have to pay a ransom. 
I can tell you most organizations have not run a disaster recovery test at that level. And until and if you do, you don't know if it's all going to work when you actually get hit with ransomware. I also say a lot of the controls you have to execute to mitigate cyber risks, uh, they're not new and they're not that different. You know, a lot of it's about just good, good cybersecurity hygiene controls. You know, making sure you take the you know terminated users out of your system, making sure you expire people who don't need access. You know, not leaving default passwords out there for people to log into. Um, I, I could go through the whole list, but you know, there really is the whole list of good cyber hygiene controls. Um, and if you go back to that discussion of you know how well do executives and boards understand their cyber risks, I, I would tell you in a lot of cases when we speak with the people in security at a healthcare organization they acknowledge a laundry list of things they need to get in place or they need to do in order to better secure their environments. It's not unknown. It's not, not like nobody's sitting there going, hey, you know, we didn't even realize we should do this stuff. By and large, when you talk to them, the, the people down in the weeds in those security departments, they know the stuff they need to be doing. Getting that message up to the top and funded with, you know, the people or whatever it is, the people, the technologies, whatever it is, to actually make it happen at the organization, that tends to be the disconnect, believe it or not. And even some of that is, you know, no, nobody wants to report bad news. Nobody wants to be like, hey, by the way, we're going to go need to spend, you know, more money on cybersecurity because, you know, we told you things were pretty good, but now we, we actually want to fess up that maybe we need a lot more help. That's a big disconnect, I see. And, and I think... The more organizations can do to be asking from the top down into the organization, what else do you need? And specifically, what risks have not been mitigated that you believe we should be mitigating? Sometimes just that question might, it's going to potentially trigger a lot more work than everybody's ready for, but it's a really good question to ask. Yeah, Jeff, and, and you made reference to in some of your comments on, I, I, you know, the human element of, of of cybersecurity or, or steps organizations can take to mitigate cyber risk. And you also mentioned spending spending more money on cybersecurity. And a lot of times people throw money at it. But but again, going back to what I the, the human element, you know, building, maintaining, I think that required level of cybersecurity awareness training for for every employee across your organization, right? I mean that some of those, some of that awareness and training, it doesn't cost a lot of money to do that. But I I, I think the, those small investments of of time really I think it pay huge dividends, right? Because that human element is so critical. Yes. Okay. Well, Jeff, we, I think we've gone through, we've exhausted our list of questions, or at least the questions I had for you. Any any closing remarks, or do we want to just shut it down? I, I, I think this was great. You know, Mark, I, I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, I think, think that covered a lot of what's on my mind. Good deal. Well, I think from what I gather here today, just in summary, cyber risks are not going away. They are likely to intensify, continue intensify, intensifying as we move forward. So healthcare organizations need to continue to elevate their game, you know, relative to mitigating these risks. And elevating their game means different things to, to every organization. But, um, but if you're a healthcare provider out there, just think about what you can do to elevate, again, elevate your, your game to, uh, to mitigate the risks of, again, ever-changing environment. So I wanna thank you to our listeners for joining this podcast. If you found this episode useful and would like to listen to more episodes about hot topics in the healthcare industry, please subscribe to our Healthy Outcomes podcast or learn more by visiting us at bakertilly.com. Thank you for listening. To receive notifications when new episodes are available, 
please subscribe on whichever platform you get your podcasts. For additional resources, check out bakertolead.com.